like, when you think about it, rom-coms have to be someone's favorite genre. That's just fucked up. When I was younger, I thought rom-coms were boring and uninspired and as I grew older and started developing like half a clue about what's going on in our world, I realized rom-coms were full of toxic and archaic messages. Many rom-coms perpetuate old traditional ideas of gender roles and send unhealthy messages of what is acceptable in a relationship. The genre also has a long-running history of excluding POC and queer stories. As our political landscape has developed during the 2010s, many rom-com tropes don't really align with our values anymore and I personally thought the genre was going to be dead and buried. However, instead of declaring the genre a bygone, the last decade has seen a trend of filmmakers and show creators attempting to transform rom-coms to follow their audience's changing political attitudes. There's been a number of media that directly addresses and subverts toxic tropes of the genre that audiences wouldn't agree with anymore. This change has also been affected by the increasing popularity of another story element, which is the anti-hero main character. This trope has most often been seen with male characters such as Tony Soprano and Dawn Draper. TV hasn't generally seen many female anti-heroes until just recently. There's a few different subcategories of the female anti-hero falls under and I would recommend checking out the takes video on this on YouTube. There's one category that I want to focus on here that I feel has affected the modern rom-com the most. Now, I don't know if there's an actual term for this trope, but I like to consider it the love and sex addict. This anti-heroine is sort of like the developed version of the lovesick romantic female protagonist whose main goal is to fall in love and views every man she meets from the lens of a possible romantic interest. You know, imagine like... Oh my god, what's her name? Like one of the Sex and City characters? The annoying one? Who isn't Carrie? The other annoying one? What's her name? You know, that one. While the old trope has faced criticism for perpetuating stereotypes of women and gender roles, this new upgraded version focuses on the underlying motivations behind the character's obsession with love. I have personally really enjoyed shows that have utilized this new take on the character, such as Judd Apatow's Love and Phoebe Waller-Bridge's Fleabag. These two shows were both released in 2016, and while the female protagonists of the shows are vastly different in personality, they have a lot in common. So, having really enjoyed both of these shows, and Fleabag possibly being one of my favourite shows of all time, I'd like to use these two shows to dissect what drives the female romantic anti-hero and her need to be loved. I'm not obsessed with sex. I just can't stop thinking about it. He's not my friend. His cum is still inside of me. Who even talks to somebody's mother like that? I spent most of my adult life using sex to deflect from the screaming void inside my empty heart. I'm an addict. I'm a sex and love addict. I want someone to tell me what to believe in, and who to love, and how to tell them. I think there might be some who would argue against me on Fleabag being a rom-com, but here, listen. It's a comedy, it's about love, and it hits some common tropes of the genre, so if anyone disagrees with me here, to those people, I say, shut up, don't say that. Why you gotta be such a buzzkill, man? 
Love, on the other hand, is a very obvious subversion of the rom-com genre, and it was created by Chad Apatow, who, as far as I know, exclusively works in this area of stories. Both of these shows have a female protagonist who acts very casual about sex, and is shown to be actively pursuing sexual relationships. Fleabag's casual attitude towards sex is so integral to her character that it's outlined in the show's little first scene. Love's Mickey Dobb, on the other hand, her attitude towards her relationship is conveyed through the contrast to her main love interest, Gus. Gus is shown to be very strongly into long, monogamous relationships, which highlights Mickey's more casual disposition. Initially, both Fleabag and Mickey are shown to be actively seeking casual sex and almost avoiding getting into serious relationships. Fleabag is dating someone in the beginning of the show, but her feelings towards her boyfriend are shown to be rather mild, and she seems as committed to the relationship as he is. The first season sees Fleabag being involved with several men in relationships where her main interest seems to be their sex life. The first season really is just aiming to build up her character and story to lay crown for the second season, which involves a major romantic plotline. Mickey, on the other hand, ends up dating her main love interest by the end of the first season. While both protagonists display hesitation about committing to a partnership, it is not implied that this is due to disinterest in love, but rather actively avoiding it. Their drive to seek sexual relationships stems from their desire for intimacy while fearing feelings of love. With many characters like this, there is a common source that often gets used to explain their uncomfort with intimacy, and that is problematic parental relationships. In season 3, it is revealed that Mickey has quite a complicated history with her dad, while Fleabag's entire family dynamic seems to have been blown to bits by the dead of her mom. Fleabag's behaviour is also affected by the accidental suicide of her best friend. However, I think it's implied that she already displayed a pattern of seeking intimacy through sex due to the role she played in her friend's death. While Fleabag does have a complicated father relationship, he hates being alone in a room with me. Her main trauma stemming from her mother's death subverts a common element that is often seen with openly sexual female characters, which is the concept of daddy issues. I do want to point out here that personally, I think it's kind of it's kind of fucked up that we have a concept for female dysfunctionality that stems from just like fathers being really bad at being fathers and it's just so like widely used in pop culture super fucking weird anyway now while these two characters share a problematic family history and a casual disposition towards sex, the way they approach love is different. Fleabag as a character comes off a lot more agreeable and approachable. She doesn't seem devastated by the end of her flings and is able to take most situations life throws at her with humour. She seems to dislike men showing her affection and displays dislike for commitment. This is until she meets her main love interest, whom she can't have sex with due to his priesthood, and this situation forces her to actually face her discomfort of having a relationship with a man that isn't built around physical approval. Mickey, on the other hand, ends up dating her love interest a lot sooner, and while she is initially shown to be more relationship avoidant of the two, this later gets turned around when she develops feelings for Gus, who instead loses interest in her. Mickey is unable to handle rejection from Gus, which leads to outbursts and slightly obsessive behaviour, like when she sneaks into Gus's work to confront him and then publicly shouts at him. Surprise! I'm not the cool girl, okay? I'm not just some girl that you can fuck for a while to prove to yourself that you can be dangerous and edgy oh. and you're not some huge dork and then you go what? off and marry whatever boring lady. Okay, so I find this difference between how the characters treat intimate relationships quite interesting because of what they say about how our paternal relationships, our first major connection to another person, can affect the way we connect with people in our adult life. This is what the attachment theory is about. 
Attachment theory was formulated by the psychologist John Balby and Mary Ainsworth, who outlined different styles of attachment a child might have towards their main caregiver. The child's disposition is created through their experience of how their caregiver responds to their needs. The styles are generally divided into secure and insecure styles, and research has shown that people can carry dysfunctional child-parent dynamics later in the life, having it affect their romantic connections. Since both Fleabag and Mickey share a past of difficulties with their family, my attention was drawn to how the characters treat their intimate relationships. Fleabag seems to carry a lot less emotional interest in the men she meets and doesn't seem upset by losing them. Her behaviour implies an avoidant attachment style, which sort of allows her to distance herself emotionally from the men she is involved with to prevent the fallout in case these men fail to meet her emotional needs. This seems appropriate as her mother's death caused her great grief and left her with only her father and her sister, neither of whom are very good at offering emotional support. Mickey, on the other hand, seems to display an anxious attachment style. She suffers greatly from rejection and failures in her relationships and shows this suffering loudly. For her character, this makes sense, as her father is shown to repeatedly build up expectations only to later disappoint her. I have to point out that both of these shows do perpetuate the tradition of female anti-hero sexual liberation being driven by a history of family trauma. I still enjoy the way both of these characters are written and the different routes that were taken for them and I think stories like this are very useful for viewers to be able to relate to and reflect on their own behaviour. What's important about this shows that despite the way women's motivations are dissected, their behaviour isn't exactly condemned. It is still a relatively new area for female characters on screen to be able to act on their sexuality without being considered a femme fatale or immoral. A dysfunctional film heroine who is able to fix her life only by finding and accepting love is an old tired trope that assumes women can't be complete until they find the right person for them, and I think we can all probably agree that the way this trope has been used needs to end. Love and Fleabag both essentially offer a take on this trope, but the shows come to different conclusions about how intimacy and love can heal trauma. A major difference about these two shows' endings is that Love ends with Mickey and Gus getting married, while Fleabag's story ends with her professing her love without the possibility of the couple ending up together. I want to point out that while one of the stories does get your typical rom-com ending, you know, a heartfelt wedding, neither of these shows' endings is aiming to make the you're particularly sad or happy, but to offer a range of feelings. Throughout its run, Love uses multiple different rom-com elements that audiences agree are unrealistic, and the show portrays how these elements would work in real life, and more often than not, well, they don't. Due to both of the main characters' own personal issues, Gus and Mickey's relationship is highly dysfunctional, and while your average rom-com plot would usually show the characters dealing with their trauma together, and healing and eventually ending up happy, that isn't how relationships in real life work. Working out internal issues isn't done through another person, but through your own efforts. In the first season, Mickey admits she should be alone to work out her issues with her own strength, yet like the little pick-me bitch boy he is, Gus ignores this notion and instead wants to pursue a relationship and the couple start dating. I also just realised this scene is kind of like a take on that scene that you see in a lot of rom-coms, where someone's, you know, talking really fast and really pouring their heart out and the other person just kisses them to shut them up and it's all fine and grand afterwards. Like, that's never the reaction you should take. If someone's saying something really personal to you and they seem distressed, you should never be like, Hey, man, I hear what you're saying. And that really sucks for you. But have you considered falling in love with me instead? I don't really like Gus. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm just, I'm just gonna put that out there. Like, 
Miki is meant to be the like the fucked up one in this in the relationship initially, but like Gus fucking sucks. This is why love doesn't offer the viewer the same security in the big wedding episode as romantic stories usually would. We can't be sure this is really their big happy ending. Paul Rust, one of the show creators, said the ending is at the same time meant to be happy and sort of dark because it doesn't offer the viewer the same conclusion as stories often would. And that feels real. In an interview about love, show creator Judd Apatow said this. On many occasions, Mickey's and Gus's relationship seem to fall under the latter group. They often bring out the worst in each other and yet they continue to try and make the relationship work. However, the first sentiment about bringing issues to the surface and trying to work through them, that seems to apply more to Fleabag. In the second season of the show, Fleabag's main romantic plotline starts with the priest character. Unlike any other character in the show, the priest is able to pick out aspects of Fleabag like her constant breaking of the fourth wall that other characters can't see through. Finding a person who really sees through her and calls her out is finally the thing that enables Fleabag to reach a place within herself where she can allow love and acceptance from another person. Finally, she's able to take the relationship seriously. Fleabag offers the viewer catharsis that Mickey's story almost refuses to give. It reminds the viewer that all the romantic movies you might have seen that would tell you you can only be whole once you find the right person aren't correct. You can be happy, even if it's just on your own. You said earlier that if you ask for love, the world will send you love back, but I've been asking and asking, and I haven't gotten fucking anything. Hoping and waiting and wishing and wanting love, hoping Hoping for love has fucking ruined my life.